You are listening to the podcast of Calvary Church in Irwin, Pennsylvania. For more information, you can visit us online at calvaryirwin.com. Well, good morning, everybody. How you doing? It's good to see you. I feel like I, I, it's been like three, four months. I moved to Houston, PA uh, with my family to be closer to work. Uh, so I don't get to see you guys pretty much every week now. But it's, it's great to be here with you this morning. And I uh, just want to welcome everybody who's watching online today. We, and if I haven't had a chance to meet you, I just assume maybe you did know who I was. I'm Lance. I'm one of the, on the pastoral advisory team here at Calvary. But we want to continue the series Pastor Nick started last week. Is this the end? And I think looking at our world right now, we would all pretty, pretty much agree it's chaotic, right? I mean, you know, it's kind of seems like from week to week, it's just losing its mind one way this way, one way that way, and it's, it's all over the place. Things are falling apart, and people are like, well, something cataclysmic is going to happen. And, you know, honestly, I'm not sure 100% because I haven't lived throughout all of history, but I'm not really sure if it's worse right now than it ever has been before. But doesn't it kind of feel like it? Doesn't it kind of feel like things just kind of keep trending in the way that we don't want them to trend and things are mirroring things that we read in the Bible so we're kind of like, maybe this is it. Maybe this is the time when the end is really here. And what we want to do, kind of picking up again on what Pastor Nick did last week, was we want to go to the source, which is what he said. We want to look at what does the Bible say about is this really the end? And again, last week, the start of the end, or you could say the beginning of the end, is the rapture. Pastor Nick talked about the rapture last week, the second coming of Christ, and what that's going to look like, and how that's going to impact the world. And his big tag, or his big point from last week was this, the end of the church is the hope of the world, that the end of the church, that when this age ends, it will be a time of hope for all that have believed the second coming of Christ is what we're all looking for. And if you didn't listen last week, I do want to encourage you to go and check it out. And as helpful as that is, and as hopeful as that is, the second coming of Christ, like the first coming was amazing, the second coming is going to be even greater. But as hopeful as that is, in the end, not everything is positive. Don't you wish that everything was positive in the end? But according to the book of Revelation, not everything is positive. The end of the church will also usher in the end of restraint. The book of Revelation spends about six chapters on this thought that there is coming a time when the end comes that yes, there's going to be the hope of the second coming of Christ, but there's also going to be the end of restraint. Well, what does that mean? What does it mean that restraint is going to be lifted? What it means is there is a day coming when God's patience with sin and the rejection of his name 
is going to run out. You see, we hear so much today, and rightfully so, I believe, about the love of God and the grace of God and the mercy of God. I mean, these are virtues that we love to talk about, that we champion. But we champion them almost so much that we forget about the justice of God. And that God, when he sees injustice towards his name and when he sees injustice from the people he created to the people he created, that it does something to the heart of God. It does something to the nature of God. It stirs up his anger. It stirs up his wrath. And what is happening in the world today and throughout history and honestly at times the mockery of his name, it does break the heart of God. It does try the patience of God. And it manifests biblically and scripturally in every way a desire within God to set all things right again. But again, Love is popular. Anger is not. Maybe we can think of it this way. If you're here today, you were a child at some point in time, right? You may be grown now, but you were a child. If you're a parent, a new parent, one of the things I know and I remember from my childhood is this. I was very good at trying my parents' patience. Anybody? Right? Anybody have some children like that? Like, they are master button pushers. Like, they have a degree in just doing things that just grates on every fiber of who you are. I mean, you love them, right? Because you, you gotta, they're your kids. But they just know how. And what happens as they push and push and push and push, the voice rises, right? I mean, I know we're all super spiritual here and no one here ever in any way, shape, or form ever loses it on their kids. But like we raise the voice and then sometimes we raise the... Thank you. Somebody's honest out there. The rest of you need to go to confession, right? We raise the hand sometimes because our patience wears thin. Now, I will say this. It's not a perfect example because I don't believe God just loses it. I don't think that's the nature or the character of God. He's not a hothead or a loose cannon. But the truth of the matter is, is that just as much as the love of God is a part of the character of God, that the wrath or anger of God and his desire for justice is a part of the character of God. Romans chapter 2 says it this way, but because of your stubbornness and your unrepentant heart, you are storing up wrath for yourself for the day of God's wrath when his righteous judgment will be revealed. What the Bible teaches is right now the anger of God is building, but it's being restrained by his love and his mercy and his patience. It's rising, but he's holding it in. But one day, his patience 
is going to give way to justice. The end of the church is the hope of the world, but it will also be the end of restraint. Revelation chapter 6 verse 11 and ch- through chapter 6 through chapter 11 kind of outline what this end of restraint is going to look like and honestly we've got about six chapters to cover this morning. Look at your neighbor and say six chapters. Hopefully you're not eating till three. I'm kidding, right? But we have a lot to cover. But his wrath is revealed in a number of different, or a series, if you will, of judgments. There's going to be seven seals, the book of Revelation says, followed by seven trumpets, uh, followed by seven thunders. uh, And the thunders are too terrifying to even write down. And just so we're not mistaken, look at how the beginning of the end of restraint begins. Revelation chapter six, verse one. As I watched the lamb. Who's that? Jesus, God's son, broke the first of the seven seals. Who begins the end of restraint? Jesus. Amen, brother. He's the one that ushers in the end of restraint. And in these seven seals, there's an unleashing of four horses, and these four horses leave in their wake uh, devastation. There's a red horse uh, that has the authority to take peace uh, from the earth, and there's war, the Bible says, and slaughter everywhere. It looks like what's happening in some of our cities look like playtime. Extreme famine and inflation comes through the third rider on the third horse. Uh, We joke about it. We have memes about it now about the price of lumber and the price of gas. It says in that day when the end of restraint comes that a day's wages will buy you one loaf of bread. One loaf of bread. And when the fourth seal is broken, Revelation chapter 6 verse 8 says, I looked up and I saw a horse whose color was pale green. Its rider was named Death and his companion was the grave. And these two were given authority over one-fourth of the earth to kill with the sword and with famine and disease and wild animal. The end of restraint. And in the fifth seal, we see heavy persecution and there's a lot of talk of martyrdom, many people dying for their faith in Christ. In the sixth seal, the natural order of the world is upset. A massive massive earthquake strikes and the mountains and the islands are moved in place. The sun, the Bible says, turns black and the moon blood red. The stars, they begin to fall from the sky like figs being shaken from a tree the beginning of the end of restraint and you know what these seven seals do they unleash fear like the human race has never seen revelation chapter 6 verse 15 then everyone the kings of the earth the rulers the generals the wealthy the powerful and every slave and free person from the top of the food chain that you may say to the bottom of the food chain they all hid themselves 
in the caves and among the rocks of the mountains. And they cried to the mountains and the rocks. And they said, fall on us and hide us from the face of the one who sits on the throne and from the wrath of the Lamb. For the great day of his wrath has come. And who is able to survive it? And with the seventh seal, the Bible says silence breaks out in heaven. I don't know about you, but I've always found moments of silence to be somewhat awkward. Is it going to be 15 seconds, 30 seconds? You know what the Bible says? For 30 seconds minutes, heaven goes silent. There's a hush. It's an ominous calm before the ever-growing storm. And as bad as the first six seals were with the breaking of the seventh seal, the Bible says seven angels are given seven trumpets. And they're making an offering at the altar of God according to Revelation chapter 8. And it says this, The smoke of the incense mixed with the prayers of God's holy people ascended up to God from the altar where the angel had poured them out. Then the angel filled the incense burner with fire from the altar and he threw it down to the earth. And thunder crashed and lightning flashed. And there was a terrible earthquake. And then the seven angels with the seven trumpets prepared to blow their mighty blast. The seven trumpets unleash unprecedented devastation. Hail mixed with fire with blood are hurled to the earth. One third of the earth is set on fire. A massive volcanic eruption and one-third of the earth the oceans are destroyed everything upon and within one-third of sea life is destroyed an immense asteroid or meteor falls from the sky and pollutes one-third of the earth's water supply and the people who drink it die the sun the moon the stars they lose their natural order and the days are flipped upside down and it starts an era of 16 hours of darkness it's like the winter solstice of december 21st where it's the shortest day of the year the world at that time will be 16 hours of darkness And in Revelation chapter 8, verse 13, then I looked and I heard a single eagle crying loudly as it flew through the air, terror, terror, terror to all who belong to this world because of what will happen with the last three angels blowing their trumpets. And with the fifth trumpet, an angel uses a key to, un-op- to open up what the Bible shows is the key to the bottomless pit. And the, the picture is that smoke billows and turns the remaining sunlight and air black. And now there's darkness everywhere. 
Revelation chapter 9, verse 3, then locusts came from the smoke and descended on the earth, and they were given power to sting like scorpions, and they were told not to harm the grass or plants or trees, but only the people who did not have the seal of God on their foreheads. And they were told not to kill them, but to torture them for five months with pain like the pain of a scorpion sting. And in those days, people will seek death and they will not find it. They will long to die, but death will flee from them. It's the end of restraint. And we see poignant pictures and descriptions uh, of these beings. Uh, and their king is an angel who in Hebrew and in Greek carries the name destroyer. And in Revelation 9 verse 12 it says, The first terror is past. But look, two more terrors are coming. And as the chapter continues on, he says, And the voice said to the sixth angel who had a trumpet, Release the four angels who are bound at the great Euphrates River. Then the four angels who have been prepared, think about this for a minute, who have been prepared for this hour and day and month and year were turned loose to kill one-third of all the people remaining on the earth. And I heard the size of their army, which was 200 million mounted troops. Listen, this is not what we're talking about this morning. This is not a fit of rage. This is the end of restraint. There's an hour and a day and a moment where the patience of God will give way to punishment and fire and smoke and burning sulfur billowed from those four angels' mouths. Uh, and it was just the beginning of the six trumpets and its effects will last for three and a half years. Uh, two witnesses will come and they'll be dressed in burlap uh, and they'll prophesy, prophesy during this time frame and anyone who tries to harm them will die by fire. And it says this uh, in Revelation chapter 11, they have power to shut the sky so that no rain will fall for as long as they prophesy. And they have the power to turn the rivers and the oceans into blood and to strike the earth with every kind of plague as often as they wish. It's the end of restraint. And after 1,260 days, the beast will rise from hell and kill these two prophets of God. And the scriptures say that their bodies will lay in the streets of Jerusalem, that people will be too fearful to even bury their bodies. But at the same time, they're fearful to bury their bodies. Uh, they will rise up in celebration and jubilee like no time. They'll literally be giving gifts to one another like it's Christmas morning because of the deaths of these two prophets of God. And in Revelation chapter 11, verse 11, it says, But after three and a half days, God breathed life into them, and they stood up, and terror struck all that were staring at them. 
And at the same time, there was a terrible earthquake that destroyed a tenth of the city. And 7,000 people died in that earthquake. And everyone else was terrified and gave glory to God of heaven. Revelation 11, verse 14, the second terror is past. But look, the third terror is coming quickly. The end of restraint. The seventh trumpet is particularly ominous. It's not the release of a single event, but it's the birth of what the Bible calls seven thunders. And they're cloaked in mystery because he was told, John, the writer of the book of Revelation, don't even write these down because they're far too terrible to speak of. It's a time, the end of restraint. It is a time of great terror. But as terrifying as it's going to be, it's also going to be, believe it or not, this mix of triumph, terror and triumph, terror and triumph. Listen to Revelation chapter 11, the triumph of verse 15. Then the seventh angel blew his trumpet, and there were loud voices shouting in heaven, the world has now become the kingdom of our Lord and of his Christ, and he will reign forever and ever. And the 24 elders sitting at the thrones before God fell on their faces to the ground and worshiped him. And they said, we give thanks to you, Lord God, the Almighty, the one who was and is. And for now, you have assumed your great power and have begun to reign. And Nick's going to talk about this more in the next couple of weeks. There's terror and triumph. As much as we read the triumph right there, in verse 18, it says, the nations were filled with wrath, but now the time of your wrath has come. It is time to judge the dead and reward your servants, the prophets, as well as your holy people and all who fear your name. From the last to the greatest, it is time to destroy all who have caused destruction on the earth. It's the end of restraint. And this is such a short period of time, 20 minutes, to kind of unpack the reality of this and what do all of these different things mean. But we need to take the whole and say, there is a time coming where the patience of God is going to wear thin. And the reality is we don't like to think about God in this way. We don't like to talk about this type of stuff. It's not popular it doesn't get ratings, if you will. But it doesn't reduce the reality of it in any way. So what do we make of this this morning? In 2021, what do we make of all this? Well, I would say there is a day of judgment coming. And we all need to take it Seriously. You cannot read the Bible without coming to the clear conclusion that God's patience at some day is going to give way 
to punishment. And I hear a phrase thrown around all the time now. And it makes me especially nervous. You know what the phrase is? Only God can judge me. I don't know about you, but that phrase makes me incredibly nervous. Like people who say that phrase think that the being judged by God is better than being judged by a human or that it's a badge of honor that God is going to see them in a different way. But I think it's scary to throw that phrase flippantly. You know, the Bible says that straight is the gate. And narrow is the way that leads to life. Biblically, in every way, heaven is the road less traveled by, which is so counter to how our human mind thinks. Uh, We all think if we survey, we're all going to heaven. We're all going to escape the wrath of God. But again, biblically, in every way, we have to have an understanding that it's a narrow road, that it's a road that requires complete surrender and full obedience. And it's not a flippant thing to be judged by God. Hebrews 10 says, it is a fearful thing. It is a fearful thing to fall into the hands of the living God. The same chapter also says this in verse 26. For if we go on sinning deliberately after receiving the knowledge of the truth, there no longer remains a sacrifice for our sins, but a fearful expectation of what? Judgment. What's the writer of Hebrews saying? That if we come to the cross and accept Christ as our Savior, but continue living any way that we want to live, what sacrifice for our sins is left? But there's a fearful expectation of judgment and a fury of fire that will consume the adversaries. See, the truth is, one day, a day no one knows, no one, God is going to stretch forth his hand, just like our parents did, just like you may have done. He's going to stretch forth his hand. And it's going to be the end of restraint. And the Bible says everyone as individuals must stand and give an account before God. That our lives, our words, our works, our actions, they will all stand before him as he stretches out his hand. In judgment. But you know what's also true? 
this isn't going to be the first time God has stretched out his hands. You see, the first time he stretched out his arms was 2,000 years ago. Through blood and bruising and brokenness and love and grace and mercy and long-suffering and forbearance and joy for the people that he created to be his sons and his daughters and his children. Listen, it's a hard word that we look at today, but there's something else that we have to gaze on this morning, and it's the beautiful mercy and grace of God, unfathomable love like an act of grace that goes beyond what the human mind, I don't know about you, but I couldn't offer my kid up. But God put his beautiful, perfect son through excruciating pain and punishment so we could know forgiveness and life and hope and freedom and joy and goodness. It was a price that God was willing to pay for redemption. Psalm 103 says, the Lord is compassionate and gracious. The Lord is compassionate and gracious, slow to anger, abounding, overflowing in love. Romans chapter 2 says, don't you see how wonderfully kind and tolerant and patient God is with you? Does this mean nothing to you? Can't you see that his kindness is intended to turn you from your sin? Listen, there is a day when restraint will end, but today is not that day. Today is a day for repentance and forgiveness and having a relationship with God and knowing him. I love what 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 says in verse 9. For God, for God has not destined us for wrath. I'm so thankful I wasn't created for wrath. I wasn't created for everything we just talked about. We were not destined for wrath, but to obtain salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ. You know what God's desire is for you today? You know what God's destiny is for you? It's not despair. It's not destruction. It's not death. It's not punishment. It's not separation from him. It's none of those things. You know what God's desire and destiny is for you? It's hope. It's life. It's salvation. It's grace. It's peace. It's forgiveness. It's the Father's arms are open wide and love not lifted high. And judgment, we're not there. He's still patient with us. He is welcoming to us. Can I just tell you really quickly, I think one of the biggest mistakes the church has made, at least in my lifetime, is they've made Christianity about conforming. 
Christianity is not about conforming. Then it becomes legalistic and religion, and it becomes condemning. Listen, the gospel of Jesus Christ is not about conforming. The gospel of Jesus Christ is about transforming. It's about letting the Holy Spirit come into your life right where you are in all your brokenness, in all of your hurt, in all of your pain, in all of your failure. And then just looking right at you as a human being and saying, I'm going to walk you through this thing. I'm going to bring you through this thing. I'm going to take you from where you are right now, someone who feels so unworthy of who I am, to someone that someday will be able to stand before me. And I'll say to you, well done, thou good and faithful servant. Listen, your role as a Christian is not to look like the person who's sitting next to you. Your role as a Christian is to become like your heavenly father who loves you so much that says, I believe you can be like me. This is a day of God's grace and consistent work in our lives. God has a plan for your life. And you may feel so broken down today. You may look at the things you've done or the things you're even doing, the things you did last night. You know what I love about God? He's always like this. His arms are open wide, and my encouragement to you would be this. Run to him now so you don't have to run from him later. Run to him now so you don't have to run from him later. God welcomes you with all the brokenness so he can change it. Father, have your way in our hearts this morning. Let your word ring deep and true within the very core of who we are. God, you're inviting us to know you and to be close to you. You're inviting us into the hope of a relationship with you. God, we, we're not going to physically come to this altar this morning, but in our hearts, we're going to come near to you and let your work be about to our hearts, God. Repentance should become more frequent the longer we know you, not less frequent because we're more sensitive to the work you're doing inside of us. Thank you for your incredible patience this morning. Can we stand together? And in our hearts and from where we're sitting, let's come to the altar today. This is Pastor Nick Poole, the lead pastor at Calvary. We're so glad you joined us for today's podcast. I hope you enjoyed the message. At Calvary Church, we're passionate about leading people into an overflowing life with Jesus. We would love the opportunity to connect with you on your faith journey and hear what God is doing in your life or join you in prayer for any needs you might have. You can visit us online at calvaryirwin.com or send us an email at info at calvaryirwin.com. On our website, you'll find previous week's messages, a list of upcoming events, as well as resources designed to help you take those next steps on your journey of faith. See you next week, and may the Lord bless you and keep you. May he make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. May the Lord turn his face toward you and give you peace. 